Good morning and welcome to Tuesday morning, November the 29th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, the second Sunday of Advent. And on the Tuesday of the week, I'd like to take a look at the Psalm passage, which comes to us in this week from the Revised Common Lectionary. In this week of the church's calendar year, and so we find ourselves in Psalm 72. It's broken up a little bit here. Verses 1 through 7, and then jumping ahead to verses 18 and 19. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in the time of prayer. Psalm 72, verses 1 through 7, and then verses 18 and 19. God, give your judgments to the king. Give your righteousness to the king's son. Let him judge your people with righteousness and your poor ones with justice. Let the mountains bring peace to the people. Let the hills bring righteousness. Let the king bring justice to the poor people who are poor. Let him save the children of those who are needy and let him crush oppressors. Let the king live as long as the sun, as long as the moon, generation to generation. Let him fall like rain upon fresh cut grass, like showers that water the earth. Let the righteous flourish throughout their lives, and let peace prosper until the moon is no more. Bless the Lord God, the God of Israel, the only one who does wondrous things. Bless God's glorious name forever. Let his glory fill all the earth. Amen and amen. This is the word of God for us. So this psalm is one of these like psalms within it, like psalters in the Psalter, these sub-psalms, what we call kingly psalms, where they are dedicated either to the king or through the king praise to God. And they attribute this one to Solomon because you and I noticed the first line, it talks about how God would give his judgments to the king and give your righteousness to the king's son. So there's a, a sense that whenever a king was installed and it was apparent that uh, his son was going to be able to take over for him at some point as he's coming of age, uh, perhaps this was a, there was a ritual, a, a, a worship rite where they begin to prep the uh, kingly heart of the next one in line, right? And so we have this, um, this canon of kingly psalms where the people of God are thankful for the kings that God has put in place. If you can recall from the Old Testament story, uh, God chose David's household and God promised that there would be a king from David's house perpetually as king of Israel. Okay, And there's also like some frustration with that because it, it proved out that these kings weren't so great in their performance. And so uh, there is both a key of David, where there would be a king from David's line, but also a lock of David, where there's going to be some trouble towards the end of the Old Testament period. But how are we going to be able to imagine once again, there'd be a kingship in Israel once again, from the line of David in particular, right? I think whenever we have kingly Psalms, we have to fasten it with this idea that uh, even though Israel was aware that God installed this king, that uh, there was also a parity of voices around whether there should be kings or not. Okay, If you can recall from the story, the people actually pressed God's prophet and God himself about having a king like the neighboring nations. Uh, some found like this was a good thing and some found like this was uh, not such a great thing. And so I think it's important for us just to keep this in a balance. Um, we're in a power-rich society. 
And uh, we have this interesting track record in the American church of wanting to establish our religion through the powers and levers of the government. And so there is um, contemporary chatter today, probably more than normal, about what is the church's role within a in a world like ours, a culture like ours, and how shall Christians interact with the government? Uh, at the time of this recording, just this morning, I listened to a pretty good podcast uh, from a scholar who has been writing about Christian nationalism, uh, a term that's been in the news lately that uh, is kind of a loaded term. Uh, I think it's misconceived. Uh, it's misrepresented at times. And so down in the show notes, if you'd like to take that in, the guys over at Truth Over Tribe, I think are doing a pretty good work of hosting a conversation in cool-headed terms about how do we move forward in the midst of a divided society? Like, how can we be Christians above any other moniker in our lives? And then a second thing that I'll link is a book called Mana and Mercy, uh, one that I really love. Daniel Erlander is a is a, a great theologian, and he wrote this book himself, illustrated it himself. He prints it, I think, in his house still. But it's a neat book that covers the sweep of Scripture. What is the one narrative, the one message from Genesis all the way to the maps? And he, he is one of the um, unique ones where he highlights this tension within the Old Testament about whether we should be pro-kingship or if we should dream of another way to do life together, of organizing ourselves as the people of Israel. And so there's this interesting back and forth. He treats both sides, I think, with, with some great grace. And uh, it's a great book. It's one that like you can even take your kids through if you're trying to find some sort of resource to get the story of the Bible, the message of the Bible into the youngest minds possible. Um, the Skillens, uh, both Skillies, have uh, read through Man and Mercy. We read it for nighttime reading before. Uh, I think it's a good place to start. But nevertheless, here we read in Psalm 72, there's an attempt uh, to try to ask God for God's favor upon the kings that would lead Israel. And uh, to the benefit of this psalm, there is this stressing that, the, that this king not just do whatever they want, uh, but that their hearts would be constrained uh, by certain values and certain things. You'll notice in verse 2, it says, Let him judge your people with righteousness and your poor ones with justice. Talks about in verse 4, let the king bring justice to the people who are poor. Let him save the children of those who are needy. Let him crush oppressors. This is not an easy task. You know, whenever you get in power, many voices begin to clamor around you, and it seems advantageous to please the ones who are able, who are able to directly enrich you in a, in a you know, myriad of ways. And so to be one who's actually tuned in their mind and heart to take care of the oppressed and the poor is something that goes against the current of uh, leadership uh, potential that anyone experiences. And so this is a big, bold prayer uh, by the psalmist to use a king, to put a king on a high place of authority, but to remember the lowliest among us. And this is where it comes from. Like this whole, this desire to be compassionate, this desire to give and to be altruistic, it comes from uh, our our culture like ours, some you know the the academies that we interact with being soaked in scripture over time where uh, we're not just like pulled away by the gravity of power and getting things for ourselves and like stockpiling for people just like us but it's also the distributing and giving away and trying to raise up those who go without right and there's probably a myriad of um myriad of ideas about how that is that takes place. Is it something for just the church alone, or uh, should Christians uh, use also like the opportunities from a, a secular government uh, to help uh, lift the plight of the poor? And so, uh, in the Christian tradition, there's all these different answers to that. But the the general thing is this: 
is that we who lead and we all lead at some level, uh, we should not just look out for our own needs, but also to the interest of others. One of the foundational values of New Testament Christianity, right? And so towards the end, uh, there's like this crescendo. It says, bless the Lord God, the God of Israel, the one who does wondrous things. Bless God's glorious name forever. Let his glory fill all the earth. Amen and amen. And this is the cry that was coming out from those who were waiting for Jesus at his first arrival. Uh, They saw wickedness and corruption. They saw uh, the Roman Empire that was smashing people into, taxing people into oblivion. They saw the, even the corruption within their leadership in Israel. Uh, they saw the, how even like local rabbis and priesthoods, they were uh, looking out for themselves, enriching their own pockets by preaching things uh, that would, be, would help them be enriched by the Romans. And so further tying a heavy weight on the people. And so this was the cry of the heart of Jesus' contemporaries. And I dare to say, like, this is the cry that we have today, right? Like, we walk throughout a day and we see inequities. Uh, we see hardships that people face. And we reach out in a plea towards God. God, do something about this. And part of the mystery is that God wants to do this. And he does it through his image-bearing creatures. Those of us who are, you know, deliberately, you know, directed and established in a leadership position with a name and a title and a desk and direct reports and, you know, Um, budgets to run and manage and all sorts of things like that, but also in indirect ways, as we life on life influence people in the world around us, we get to set an example that's different uh, than like the power hungry voice that we see uh, within every culture and every time. And so um, we share the the pleas of the people of uh, Psalm 72. We're looking for leaders to lead the way, to have the courage to remember the most vulnerable among us. So with those things in mind, Let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you as the King of the earth. And we think that in a mystery, you give us leaders who help guide the way, leaders in our communities, leaders in our nations, in geographic regions, leaders in our church, and leaders... um, in our home and in extracurricular activities. We thank you that you stirred them, you summoned them, you put them in place, and you are eager to watch them lead your people in ways that are full of equity and righteousness and and justice. God, uh, we pray this day that as we uh, work with our leaders, that we would keep our eyes fixed on you, that we'd place ultimate trust in you, but we would also um, give our best to help to strengthen and to establish leaders among us. God, we pray that you would give them uh, the heart of a humble servant, uh, that they would be eager to help not just those who represent them well, but also those who may not be able to give them anything, the most vulnerable among us. God, we think that throughout scripture, you convey that you are among the vulnerable and the poor. And so as we seek to serve them, we also serve and worship you. And so God, this day, I pray that a fresh wind of sobriety would wash over the church and that we would lead with calmness, that we'd uh, lead with confidence. And I pray that we would lead with humility in mind. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.